I took the week off last Wednesday, and I thank God for Pastor Joe, who stepped in and preached a great word. If you were here last Wednesday, we know you're blessed. Say amen, somebody. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We won't be long tonight, but I do have a word on my heart for us. And this word is for all of the mature saints. If you're new to Jesus, hang out with us. Don't go home. This is for you too. Uh, but this is more of a word for all of you that have been saved for a little while already. Okay? If you've been a part of this church for more than a year, this is for you. If you've been saved for more than a year, this is for you. Okay? The Lord's going to challenge us tonight because I believe that every time we come to church, we should be challenged and stressed a little bit. Amen? Who likes going to the gym and feeling the same way you did when you went in and then you didn't do nothing? Today, people go to the gym to take a selfie and then they leave. It's a true story. People go to the gym, they take a picture of themselves, and they go home. We don't come to church for that. Every time you come, you should be challenged. I believe it was uh, Spurgeon that said, I'd rather, offend people, I'd rather offend people into heaven than tickle people's ears into hell. If you leave offended, listen to me. If you leave offended at the word that goes forth, don't get mad at the preacher. Your problem is with God. If, some, if you don't like something that's said that comes straight from the Word of God, don't get mad at the preacher. Take it up with him. And, and we'll just see how that works out. Okay? Let's go to the Word. Let's read together, everybody. Uh, as, are we, were we saved to sit or saved to serve or we, were we saved to be served? Let's find out tonight what Paul says to us. And this is a word for this church, for us, especially the ministers and everybody else in it. Ready? Read. Wait, everybody together. Ready? Read. As spiritual people, but as people of verse 2, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Even now, you're not yet ready. Read that again. One more time. For while there is jealousy, strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way or in a natural way verse 4 for when one says I follow Paul and another says I follow Apollos are you not being merely human verse 5 what then is Apollos what is Paul I planted Apollos watered Somebody say, but God. But God gave the increase. Verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is what? Anything. But only God. This is good. Almost don't even need to preach. It just preaches by itself. Because the word of God is alive. Verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are what? They are what? Somebody shout, they're one. And each one will receive, here it is, his wages according to what? Not according to the pastor's labor. Not according to the brother's labor. We're one. We're one. But the rewards are not. So the presence of jealousy... And fighting 
all of those things go, and divisions, it's because we're fleshly, carnal. Let me tell you right now, this is a word for us. How can we expect God to take us higher when we're jealous of each other, fighting with each other, and have divisions amongst each other? A house divided will not stand. So let's pray that God would expose the carnality of our attitudes, would bring conviction, and at the same time comfort and would encourage us all to remember we're on the same team. The one who plants, the one who waters is nothing. God is the one who gives the growth. We work for the same God. We, love, we have the same Father we're on the same team. But we're encouraged to serve. Here's why. Because God will reward each one individually according to their work. So... For those who are already serving and already working, keep doing what you're doing. To those who think that you were saved so that others can serve you, tonight's a word of challenge. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you tonight for your word. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It exposes and penetrates the hearts, the inner motives. Lord, you see and know where we stand. Those who purport to be spiritual, Lord, who are carnal, you expose them for what they are. Those, Lord God, who would presume to be spiritual and yet they cause division, they have strife and jealousy, Lord, I pray that you would bring those things out to the surface too. Lord, tonight we all stand in need of your grace. Will you pray with me tonight, church? Say, Lord, come on, shout, Lord, we stand in need of grace. Help us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Be seated. Let's go quickly. Uh, there are, uh, there are f- give me the first points. There are three things that the Apostle Paul deals with at the Church of Corinth. For those of you that don't know your Bible, well, the Church of Corinth was like Las Vegas. It was a, a city of commerce. There was imports and exports going in. It was a bay city. And so you had a lot of people coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. The church at Corinth was wrestling and bustling. It was growing immensely. Many people were being saved under the ministry of Paul. But Paul uh, uh, writes now to the church at Corinth. And he writes the book of First and Second Corinthians are extensive. They're long books. And they are books that are full of correction. Everybody say correction. Not only correction, the church at Corinth had a lot of great things going on, but they also had a lot of issues going on, just like us. We, it's okay to say we got a lot of great things going on, but we also got a lot of issues going on. If you think you don't have issues, you're in the wrong place. That church is on the other side of town. We have issues. Everybody shout, we have issues. If you didn't say that, then that's your issue. Some of your issue is the fact that you think you don't have issues. That's an issue right there. But Paul dealt with in our text today, if you're familiar with chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, Paul deals with a few problems, just a few, and we're going to deal with them quickly. Number one, the issue at Corinth was spiritual immaturity. They were spiritually immature. Hear me, it wasn't only spiritual immaturity, it was spiritual immaturity that shouldn't have been present. There's a difference. It's one thing to be born again and to be a babe in Christ and you're spiritually immature. That's okay. Everybody say, that's okay. 
How many of you, how many of you are newborn, uh, how many of you have newborn babies? Raise your hand. I know we have a few. I don't know if you're here tonight. Raise your hand, bro. Okay, we have one. Anybody else have a newborn baby? Just one? Just one? Y'all need to get busy. My grandfather used to tell his church all the time, hey, where are the babies? No more babies? Turn off the television and get to work. Praise the Lord. If you're married, hallelujah. <clears throat> uh-huh. Okay, we only have one baby. I see the baby in the crowd. How many of you remember when your babies were newborns? Everybody, right? Okay. How many of you gave birth, ladies? How many of you gave birth to your baby and then right, after, right out of the womb, you set her down and expected her to walk? Anybody? Okay, didn't think so. Uh, so here's the thing. Um, there is a correlation here in, between the natural and the spiritual. It's not always the case, but in this case it is. I've been to many fellowships. I've witnessed this firsthand growing up in church. People get saved and they're babies, and we expect for them to walk, talk, and understand, and eat, and process, and serve, and live, and worship like if they're mature. They're not. They're babes. And babies do nothing but make noise and make mess. I'm not afraid of you tonight. Come on, help me. Babies do nothing but make noise and make mess. That's what they do. My mom used to get so upset at my dad because my dad, you know, she, they would make us clean up and stuff. But later on in years, later on in years, hindsight is twenty twenty. Once I had my daughters, my mom became a totally different person. She was great and they were both loving parents. But my mom used to make us clean the house every day. We had to keep that house clean. When my dad got home at 4 o'clock, we would clean. We began cleaning around 3.58. Me and my carnales, true story, God hears me. Me and my brothers at 3.58, we knew my dad was coming around 4.06. At 3.58, we started doing our chores really bad. We he threw everything under the bed. Praise Jesus for wisdom. True story. Dirty socks. It was all under the bed because we knew that they were too tired to check. So we just make our bed, fold the comforter real long, and we stuff everything under there, right? Uh, we'd wipe down and do whatever we had to do. But, but later on, when I had my kids, as a grandparent, my mom would look at me, and, and I'd be yelling at my daughters, clean up your room, and I expect you to do your job. My mom would look at me and say, Ronan, what's the matter with you? You let those kids make a mess. <laughs> Grandma apparently had undergone a transformation in her heart and mind. She said, let the kids make a mess. It's not important. And then she said, and I'll never forget, she said, I used to run myself ragged trying to keep the house clean, and I missed out on precious time. Because I was expecting y'all to keep the house the way an adult would. You're not hearing me by the Holy Ghost. Because we expect children or spiritual babes to keep their house clean like if they're adults. So when we see new Christians doing the duke, duke, duke or whatever they're doing and we want to come down and cut them, listen carefully, this is not a joke. We do them a disservice because we expect them to keep the house up like if they're grown and they're not. So Paul says, hey, brethren, because there are some theologians that said Paul wasn't dealing with Christians because Christians can't be saved in carnal baloney. There are people that I know right now, they don't come to this church, I know them, and they will contend and say, you can't be carnal and Christian. Baloney. It's almost like they're ignorant to all of Paul's writings. Paul writes to the church, not to the unsaved. Sexual immorality going on in the church, nothing new. Drunkenness going on in church, nothing new. 
Bad behavior, bad word, all kinds of stuff going on in the church. They were saved already. But Paul had to come and teach them how to walk. Are you in the house? You expect babies to be born and then start walking right away. That's not reality. Stop it. But Paul's dealing with, in this chapter, he's dealing with those that have been saved a while. He says, hey, brethren, look at verse 1. Brethren, that, that settles the issue right there. Brethren, you're not a brethren, you're not a brother in the Lord unless you're saved. So he's talking to saved people. But I, brothers, I couldn't address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. Look at verse 2. This is what he's dealing with spiritual immaturity. He said, I had to feed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready. Somebody shout, they weren't ready. They weren't ready for it. And even ready, here it is, here's the indictment, and even now you're still not ready. His tone is, you should be ready by now, but you're still drinking. My daughter would call it titi milk. You're still drinking bottle. You still can't handle meaty word. You're still on milk. And here's why, because you're spiritually immature. Now in verse 3, one more verse, because he, goes, he deals with other things. Verse 3 says, for you're still of the flesh. This is God speaking to us through his word. Because about life, you're still in the flesh. You're still fleshly. What, what, and and then, then he says, and here's the evidence that you're still fleshly. For those that might be wondering. What's the proof? How do you know we're fleshly? Here's how you know. Ready? Because there's jealousy. And because there's strife. What's strife? You're fighting with each other. You're jealous of each other. Oh, why, 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 why does she get... Oh, whoa, 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 why is he? Oh, whoa, whoa, why is it always? Well, I don't think Pastor Joe's all that. Well, I don't think Sister Brown should be. And I don't think Sister Tobar is qualified for. I'm just going to speak plain tonight. I'm telling you right now. Well, I don't think Pastor Ronan should have that. Well, I think they should do that. Well, 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 why didn't they ask me? My, well, I give so much. Here's the thing about your pastor. I don't know what you give. So that won't ever fly here. I am not going to give anymore. Don't. God will raise up somebody else in your place. I don't think Pastor Ronan is all that great anyway. I only come here because my friends come here. My wife thinks I'm all right. That's fine with me. My dog greets me with a happy tail every time I walk in the house. As long as Willie Boy loves me, I'm straight. The day I come home and he gives me side eye, then I got a problem. My friend's bulldog, Biggie, he wags his whole self when I walk in, and that's all right with me. Why is she a leader? Why is he a leader? How come I'm not? There's jealousy. It's in the heart. Why are they singing and not me? Why, why, why? And there's jealousy amongst, amongst us. Not only that, there's strife. I mean, there's contention there. 
You don't love your brothers who you can see, but you you claim to love God who you cannot see. And the Bible calls you a liar. So if you claim to love God who you can't see, but you hate your brother who you can see, then you're a liar and the love of God isn't in you. Don't you love the Bible? You're still of the flesh. Because here's the evidence, Paul says, because there's jealousy and there's strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? In other words, aren't these behaviors carnal? They're out of your flesh. So Paul deals with spiritual maturity. Number two, put it up there. Secondly, not only does Paul deal with spiritual maturity, he's dealing with fleshly, carnal attitudes. Fleshly attitudes. So we have people that should be grown up in the faith and they're not growing up. They're immature and they're staying immature. That's a problem. Now, can you imagine, what if you had a baby? We expect babies to grow. How many expect babies to grow? Mamas, how many took your babies to the three months, six months, nine months, right? And what did the doctor say? They're, they're growing what? What do they tell you? They're growing just fine. And they're developing what? At a normal or they're developing at a really good rate. Praise God. And you left proud and say, my baby's ahead of schedule, right? How many remember that? Thinking, yeah, they're developing well. So, if, so we expect babies to grow in the natural. Why do we accept something different in the spiritual? Why do we settle for spiritual immaturity in the church? You've been saved how long and you're still acting that way? You've been saved 15 years and you're still throwing tantrums? You're fleshly. You're carnal. 20 years in the church and you're still going, "Hmm." don't ask me to do that again one time only. The third thing that Paul deals with, we're moving quickly here, is the jealousy, strife, and the divisions. If you don't come to this church because your favorite isn't up there, shame on you. You're carnal. Now, we all have favorites. Let's just be real about it. I don't love, I don't love, I have people that I love. I, have people, I love everybody, but there are people I love more, and so do you. You don't, don't got to be fake about it. I love everybody the same. You lie. Come on, say amen to this. You don't love everybody the same, and that's all right. Some people you love more. Other people you love, you know, they're all right. That's okay. But what's not okay is for you to be jealous. Nobody said amen. What's not okay is for you to be jealous of them, for you to be fighting with them, and for you, hear me, to be causing division. Mm. Oh, hey. You don't like pastor either? Mm. Why don't we go have coffee and talk about it? Oh, you don't agree with how things are being done either? Why don't we go pray together? Oh, oh, uh, uh, you don't like Pastor Joe Stacy Adams shoes either? Oh, I can't stand his Stacy Adams. Are you hearing me? And you know what we do? We form little groups. And those groups that we call friends, let me help you here. They ain't really friends. They ain't really friends. They're strategic pawns in the hands of the adversary who were sent to cause division in the house. Because if the church ever gets united, then we can expect a move of the Holy Ghost. 
Oh, I'm preaching better than you're amen in tonight. Because if the church ever gets united, then we can expect a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You want to know what's going to happen when all the jealousy dies at the altar? You want to know what's going to happen when we begin to celebrate what God is doing in somebody else? You want to know? We got to get to the place where we say, man, I praise God for what he's doing in your life. I'm not jealous about what you drive. I'm not mad about what God's doing. I'm happy for you because I know if God did it for you, then he's going to do it for me too. If we can get happy about what God is doing with somebody else, then I know my time will come. Because we're on the same team. Somebody shout, we're on the same team. That means when you win, y'all are slow tonight. That means when you win, uh, that means when you win, you're blessed, I'm blessed. You're in victory, I'm in victory. Because one day you're up and the next day you're down. And guess what? When you're up, you'll be able to encourage somebody else. And when your time comes to go through that valley, you'll be have, you'll come on, you'll have somebody there and say, my brother, I've been where you're going through right now. Wait on the Lord. Hold on. Come on. Come on. You're going to make it out of here. I know it's hard. I've been through a valley. Does anybody know what it's like to go through a valley? But the Lord saw you all the way through. Somebody shout, we're on the same team. So the jealousy, the fighting, and the division, you're shooting yourself in your own foot. Now let's, give me the rest of the notes. We got to move quickly here. This lesson's very simple. It's self-explanatory. We must not be okay with staying spiritually immature. If you're new to the faith, that's okay. You're a babe. But just like we expect babies to grow, expect yourself to grow. And guess what? If you come to church once a week, that's like going to the gym once a week. You ain't going to be swole by going to the gym once a week. Help me, Brother Fernand. Come on now. You want to see results? You might take a little bit more than once a week. I come every Sunday. Praise God for that. Amen. I'm serious. But when you're at home, open up that Bible. When you're at home, open up that word. When you're at home, bow that knee. When you're at home, lift those hands. You ain't got to wait till you come to this old building. You should be worshiping and in fellowship every day of the week. So when you come on Sunday, you're not looking at the praise and worship team like, what you got for me today? Bring the glory down for me. They ain't here for you. Somebody shout, I'm determined. determined. Help me in the back. Somebody shout, I'm determined determined. to grow up. up. Y'all in the back aren't helping me. Come on. Somebody say, I'm determined determined. to grow up. Next point. What's a carnal Christian preacher? This is who Paul was dealing with. Carnal Christians are those that are, hear me, they're indwelt by the Spirit, but they are mastered by their flesh. That's all a carnal Christian is. Because, here, because people wonder, what does it mean to be carnal? I don't even know what that means, carnal, like carnal or my brother, what does that mean? No, 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 carnal means you're in the flesh. 
Watch, when you get saved, how many are saved? Raise your hand, please, if you're saved. Praise God. I'm going to shut my eyes because I don't want to see your hand if it's not up. If you're saved, the Spirit of God dwells on the inside. Indwelt is a $2 Christian word. It means the Holy Spirit is inside. And your pastor struggles when I type my notes because I want to be really nerdy. I want to be really theological with some of you. And I want to use words that you're going to be like, what in the world does that mean? I don't know. Indwelt means the Holy Ghost lives inside. He dwells within. The Spirit of God, when you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God moves in. Really, Pastor? Because I'm still kind of local. You know, I know you are. You didn't say amen. Really? Because I still have an attitude. I know you do. The Spirit of God lives inside of you, but you're still dominated by your flesh. So you're saved, but you're carnal. You're saved, but you're fleshly. That's what it is. Now, I grew up in an environment that said, oh, no, if you're carnal, you're not saved. It's ridiculous. These people must not have ever read the writings of Paul, especially to the church at Corinth. Because the, the issues at the church at Corinth were extensive. Sexual immorality. And here's what's amazing. Yet the supernatural gifts of the Spirit were active in their meetings. And so we see a duality here. The, the, Paul's writings to the church at Corinth are absolutely necessary for understanding church history. Not only church history, but understanding the dynamic of what it is that the church, the ecclesia really is, the dynamic of what the gathering of the saints really is. You want to know what church is? It's the church at Corinth. That's church. That's the church we see, full of Gentile believers who are still what? Still fleshly, still dealing with some things, yet indwelt by the Holy Ghost and experiencing the supernatural power of God. There's both. But Paul's dealing with those who should be mature now, like us. Fighting, jealous, divide, dividing each other. Stop it. Everybody just shout, stop it. Look, to, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. No, you need to get some soul in your life. Come on, try it again. Say, neighbor. neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Grow, up. Grow up. Holy Ghost on the inside, but you're dominated by your flesh. Hueles carnudo. Keep it moving. Now the word carnal in Greek is the word sarkikos. And the word sarkikos speaks of one who can and should do differently but does not. Woo! Here it is. That means, ready? When you're carnal, because Paul in the scripture, it's, not, it's primarily Paul, but in the scripture it, we deal with three men. There's the natural man, the spiritual man, and the carnal man. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's going to be on the screen in a minute. Uh, but the word carnal is sarkikos, and it, and it talks about one who, who can and should uh, ready, do differently, but they don't do it. Paul at one point said, uh, the thing that I hate doing, that's what I do. And the thing that I should do, that's what I don't do. I find, this, I, I find this, this law working at work in my members. That means in my body. I find this thing working in me and that when I want to do what's right, I don't do what's right. And the thing that I hate doing, the thing that I hate doing, I do that. That was the apostle Paul, so there's hope for us. That was your chance to say amen. How many of you do things that you don't like doing? Raise your hand. I'm in the right place. How many did something today that you wish you didn't do? How many said something today you wish you never said? You should be raising your toes right now. Some of you should be like, oh. Some of you during church service, you thought something you shouldn't think. 
So the Apostle Paul, again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but in the scripture, everybody say in the scriptures, uh, there are three men, and especially in the new covenant, we deal with three types of men. There's, there's, there's the carnal man, there's a natural man, I should say, and then there's a spiritual man, and then there's the, there's the carnal man. Okay? Now, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry to get nerdy for a moment, but you, this is important for us. All right, first there's a natural man. Go back to number one. There's a natural man. We have 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It's patterned after Adam. Everybody say Adam. It's patterned after Adam. It says, watch. Go, get, that's good. Give me the text. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. The natural person or the natural man does not accept the things of what? Of the spirit. So when natural people come to church like this one, they're like, what's going on? I don't understand any papas. They come in. One way, they leave the same way because they're still the natural man. Watch. They cannot accept the things of the Spirit. I don't care who's preaching. Pastor Joe, Elder Brown, Minister Wilson. That's why jealousy and envy and division is ridiculous. Because if there's a, car, if there's a natural man in the seat, it doesn't matter who's up there. They can't accept it. You can have the best teacher, the best Bible preacher. You can have the most anointed person. Singing, preaching, it doesn't matter. They cannot accept things of the Spirit because they're natural. That's right. Some of you have been praying for your husband. You're like, he doesn't change. He's still natural. He's the natural man. He can't receive the things of the Spirit. Wait on God. Be faithful to the Lord and trust that the Lord is going to open up his eyes. And in the meantime, just add a little more sugar in your coffee. Natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God. Ready? Ready? Read. For they are what? Because they're what? Because they're what? Because they are folly to him. In other words, they're silly. You, you, you want to know if you're a natural man? If you leave church going, oh, those things are silly. He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually, hello, hello, help me, because they are what? They are spiritually discerned. That's a natural man. Number two, then we have the spiritual man. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 15, the next verse. The spiritual man is the one who knows and receives the things of the spirit. That means you're spiritual. You're able to receive them. Look at verse 15. Ready? Read. The spiritual person, what? But it's himself to be what? Now that word means he discerns all things. He discerns. And that means he's able to discern what's of God, what's not of God. He's spiritual. Okay? The next man, I got to go quickly. The next person is the carnal man. Woo-hoo! Here's the carnal man. Ready? The carnal man knows the things of God. Help me, ALC. He knows the things of God, yet he's still what? Characterized by the flesh in major ways. That's us. A lot of us. Put it to me another way. You know the things of God. You know it doesn't honor God, and yet what? You're still carnal? You know the word. You know what the Bible teaches about certain things. Pero ahí andas tú. This is us. We're carnal. We can't say, oh, es que no sabía. I didn't know. No, you knew. Well, I didn't know, pastor, that adultery was sin. You just saw the 2019 version of praying hands, gripping hands. I'll do it again because I preached that word many years ago. Here's the 2019 version. Mm, hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor, I didn't know pornography was wrong. <laughs> That's how I feel, little baby. You know better. Come on. You know better. You're still doing it. You're carnal. 
You can't claim ignorance. You know, you're still, you're still dominated by the flesh in major ways. If you still have the same attitude that you had, and you've been in church 10 years, you're carnal. You know better. There's no excuse for that. It's like having a baby 10 years old and they're still going goo goo gaga. What would you do if your baby was 10 and was still saying, Mama? And here we are in church sometimes, 10 years, and all we know is John 3 16. 10 years. And still need to look in the table of contents to find the book of the Bible that pastor's preaching from. You're not a baby. Now, if you're a baby tonight, this is not for you. This is for those that are already a little bit older on now. A little bit on, you've been, been here for a minute. You ain't a newbie. You ain't a rookie. Are you in the house? Shout hallelujah. All right, keep it moving. We got to go. So here's what Paul's trying to tell us. Ready? We are all, he's saying, hey, you guys have problems. We are all having problems in our human relationships because there's a problem in your relationship with God. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping this message up. You're having problems. Ready? You're having problems. You're having problems this way because there's a problem this way. You're having problems horizontally. Listen, your horizontal relationships are always going to be hellacious as long as your vertical relationship, watch it now, is complacent. I'm going to rewind and say that one more time. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Your horizontal relationships are always going to be hellacious as long as your vertical relationship, ready, is complacent. As long as it's dormant. As long as it's carnal. If you're disconnected here, you better expect a disconnection right here. Your marriage is going to be messed up if your relationship relationship with God is not what it's supposed to be. Your finances are going to be messed up if your relationship with God is not what it's supposed to be. Because if you're not connected here, how can you be connected here? If you're jealous of your brother, it's because there's an issue with your walk with God. You don't have to like what I'm telling you. It's a fact. Paul says, here's the evidence of your carnality. You're fighting, you're jealous, and there's division. So there's a problem here. Because those are works of the flesh, not works of the spirit. So as long as there's an issue here, there's going to be an issue here. I don't care how cute that man is. If that man doesn't have a relationship with God, I don't care how handsome he is. I don't care if he has a 35-pack around his belly. That man ain't going to do it for you. You want to know why? Because he's carnal. And a carnal man can never, I wish I had a church, a carnal man will never be able to satisfy the longing of your spirit. Jealousy, strife, fighting, divisions, beef among Christians. Ready? They're all signs of fleshiness. Flesh. Fleshed out. Fleshiness. All signs. Is there jealousy at ALC? Yes, there is. It's flesh. Is there strife? Are the people fighting with each other here? Yeah, yeah, there is. Flesh. Divisions here? Yeah, there are. Flesh. This is a good word. But what? give me verse 5 before you give me that. Give me verse 5 and I'm done right here. You're going to be at Del Taco. By the way, how many, are the kids all out of school already? Shout hallelujah if your kids are out of school. You didn't want to say hallelujah because you're like, oh, hallelujah. And I can't stand these kids being at home. I missed it when they were at school talking about, can I get a snack? If your grocery bill doesn't go up in the summertime, woo, I'm going to put a lock on my refrigerator. Watch me do it. 
I'm going to hit them with a, you're going to eat like at school. When did you eat at school? 12.30, orale. At 12.30, you get a sandwich? Okay, so they're eating at 9, 9.30, 9.33. What? Maybe it's only my house. Pray for me. Watch, verse 5. Here's the thing. Yo no soy la gran cosa. Church, it ain't about me. I'm not the big deal here. Nobody said amen to that. This isn't about Elder Brown. This isn't the Pastor Ronan show. This is not the Tobar show. This is not Casa de Munoz. No, this isn't about us. Ready? Watch. Paul said, the Lord gave me the grace to win some. He gave Apollos the grace to win some. That was God's doing. One planted, another one watered. But the one who plants and the one who waters we're nothing. We're one. But God gives the increase. <laughs> Give me verse 5. Read it con gana. Everybody together. Ready, read. We're done. What then? Stop. Stop. I want you to stop reading after that word that starts with S. Read that from the beginning. Ready? What then? Here's the answer. Read it again. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? What are they? What are they? Servant. What are they? Servant. What are we? Servants. We're servants. Not superstars, servants. Not superstars, servants. Paul says, what's Apollos? Because they were, you know what they were doing? They were saying like this, well, I follow Apollos. And then the other crew was like, well, I follow Paul. And the other crew was like, uh, uh, well, well, forget you, because Paul's better than Apollos. This is what's going on in the church. Yeah, well, I, 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 don't, like the way, I don't like the way Pastor preaches, so I, I like so-and-so better, and I think he should be the leader. What is pastor? That's correct. What am I? Servant. What are you? Servant. We're frustrated. We're frustrated in the church because the one who waters wants to plant. We're frustrated in the church because the one who plants wants to water. And as long as you're not content to carry out the call that's on your life, you're never going to be satisfied. And so you, the one that's watering wants to be the one that's planting, and the one that's planting wants to be the one that's watering. And so Paul says, what is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are but servants. Some translations say ministers. That's what a minister is. And this is how you spell ministry. S-E-R-V-A-N-T. And this is how you spell success. Ready? S-E-R-V-I-C-E. -E. You're like, amen. This is how you spell success. Success. S-E-R-V-I-C-E. -E. Says who? Jesus. Give me the text because Jesus himself in the gospel of Matthew. And we're done. I wish I had another hour, but we don't. I want you to see it for, for yourself. 
Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples in Matthew chapter 20. Watch. Because the Son of Man, Jesus, help me read it. Ready? Read. Even as a... Stop. Read it like you're ready to go home. Ready? Read. Even as a... Came. But to... Jesus came to serve, but you're too good to? I'm going to be very candid with you right now. And if you get upset, take it. If it offends you, that means it's for you. There's been times a sister Tobar has been throwing out the trash and people see her doing it and they don't offer to help. You're carnal. You should say, you need help with that? Because guess what? She's not the only servant. We're all what? Somebody shout, we're all servants. I was raised in a culture where if, as a man, if you saw a lady carrying something heavy, help me in here. As a man, if you saw a lady carrying something heavy, you should go up and what? Say, hey, help me. Right? If you see a lady struggling, what should you do? Uh Oh, let me. But in church... There's been times I'm here and I'm on my high horse tonight and if you want to contend, we'll contend. Because I feel the anointing of God on me and if you want to contend, that's okay. There's been times that I've been straightening church, picking up trash. People will see me, nod at me and walk right by without ever saying, here, let me help you, preacher. What are we doing today? You picking up trash? I can do that too. Say a good amen or say out, say something. If you can help, help. If you can serve, serve. You weren't saved to be served. The Son of Man himself didn't come to be served. Here's the question. Is the servant greater than their master? You remember in the, you remember in the Gospels where Jesus, Jesus gets down and he begins to wash the disciples' feet and they try to rebuke him. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Peter. He called, get thee behind me, Satan. He called Peter the devil because Peter said, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. Better translation. The Greek reads like this. If you don't let me wash your feet, you are not of the same lineage as I am. In other words, you're not even part of this tree. You can't be. We can't be family. Brothers, nunca. Not of the same kin. Not related. Nothing to do with one another. He called them Satan. Think about the distance between your Messiah and the devil. That's what he called Peter. And that's how he sees believers who say, Ha ha ha, not me. Peter then says, Well, if that's the case, wash all of me. And not just that, but when the disciples, when they love talking about who's the greatest, tell us who's number one, Jesus. Like MySpace, who's in your top eight? Oh, y'all forgot about MySpace. You ain't cool like pastor then. It's all right. Uh, tell me who's the number one. Who's the greatest? Huh? Tell us, Jesus. And Jesus says, you want to know who the greatest is? Yeah, tell us. I know it's me. I got this. Jesus says, you want to know who the greatest in the kingdom is? The one who serves. The least of you is the greatest in the kingdom. I'm done. Junior, come. My mom used to say, Ronan, and I believe it. She said, Ronan, I believe there are some old saints of God, some precious women, 99 years old, serving in a soup kitchen somewhere. 
who have shared the gospel and who have won hundreds of people to Jesus. Nobody knows their name. They don't have a business card. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. They don't have a, come on, they don't have a social media following, but they love God and they've led hundreds of people to Christ and the ones that you think are going to be number one in heaven, there's going to be some people that are going to surprise you in glory because they were serving humbly and quietly and that was their life, a life of service and Jesus looks at them and says, you're the greatest in the kingdom. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Those who serve. Because we're all servants. You see somebody doing something in church? I double dog dare you to do the spiritual thing. What's that? Say, let me help. I don't care what it is. You see somebody vacuuming? I challenge you to say, hey, you need help? Because we are all called to what? Serve. Instead, we're jealous. We're fighting. And we're dividing each other. Hey, if you're a babe, cool. Be challenged today. Watch. God wants to grow you up. How many want to grow in the things of God? Come on, wait. I pray that. Be encouraged tonight. Let's end on a positive note tonight. Come on, I know this is a challenging word, but how many say, Lord, I want to grow this year? Come on, we're, on, we're halfway through the year. How many say, Lord, I want to go deeper in the things of God? Come on, wave at me now. How many say, I want to go deeper in the things of God, Pastor? I don't want to deep, come on. I don't want to be in fleshly. I want to grow up. I know I'm new. Come on, I know I'm new to church. I don't know that much, but I want to be able to grow. I want to be able to say, I've come a long way. I want to be able to say, I'm not who I used to be. I'm growing up. I'm stronger now. Come on. I'm wiser now. Come on. I have more understanding now. I'm deeper now in the things of God. I want to grow. I got to grow. Give me attention. If what offended you in 2017 still offends you now, you got to grow. If you're still tripping over what you were tripping over last year, you got to grow. And it's all right to say, yeah, that's me, preacher. You're talking to me. Okay, let's grow together. Come on, somebody shout, let's grow together. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, let's grow together. Tell your other neighbor that you like better. Tell them, neighbor, let's grow together. If you're determined to grow, clap your hands and give God a praise in this. Come on, everybody. All the servants of the living God, clap your hands and say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to grow. Let's stand. Woo. Good preaching, Pastor. Praise God. I got to encourage myself sometimes.